Hey now, and welcome to Where Wine Takes You, the podcast where we celebrate wine, but more than wine, the people, the stories, and more than behind the bottle, but behind the scenes of the rising and unmitigated successful Paso Robles wine region. I'm your host, Adam Montiel. Thank you for rating, reviewing, and subscribing to the podcast, sharing with a friend. I want to thank Mountaineer21 for a review he calls Best Kept Secret. While Paso is no longer California's best kept secret, and it does still fly under the radar for so many visiting wine country, that's okay by me, as I hope it doesn't become Napa or Sonoma. It's such a delight hearing Adam's friendly dialogue with Paso's leaders in the wine, hospitality, and tourism trade, and the vibe of the area just flows from every one of his guests. I enjoy listening and learning to all the nuances that make Paso great, and it's been a fantastic primer for my wife and my vacation in Paso this week. This podcast may be the best-kept secret. Keep slaying it, Adam. Well, thank you, Mountaineer91. Much love. Cheers. I'm excited for today's show. We are hanging with two winemakers that are really in exciting times in their journey, both very experienced, both very talented, both in their own respective winemaking renaissance, if you will, a revival even, both also a block away from each other. Christian TG, the Zin bitch himself, is a winemaking gangster. Man, four vines, man, that biker Zin, ooh, was pivotal in the stainless movement with his naked Chardonnay. And then under Cypher, he gave us everything you needed in those cult Zins and blends with names like Peasant, Anarchy, Zin bitch, Heretic, and a lot more. Well, Christian opened Anarchy Wines, named after one of his most famous blends. It's on the way into Tin City, and it has all the same attitude and spirit in the wines that fans have been used to when you associate wines with Christian TG. Here's Christian talking about how he went into this, and even gives a shout-out to his mentor, the original freak, Randall Graham of Bonnie Dune. Check it out. I have to give a big nod to one of my mentors, um... Randall Graham. I mean, Randall was the, the the original freak. You know, he was the one that did things differently and pushed the envelope. He did cigar volant, really helped wake up the Rhone in America. But he was also avant garde with his packaging, and he just like he just spoke to me. And from the days back selling retail in Bo- the streets of Boston, he was an inspiration. And I, you could totally blame it on him that I'm a winemaker. You know, when I started, I was intimidated by how dense the wine industry was. You know, and now it's four times that. Well, back then, I was just like, the only way I can stand out is be outrageous. Make amazing wines and make the packaging scream. So you deliberately fought that. You know, and and so it was about wanting to be artistic and push that envelope, right? So now the challenge is even greater for the kids coming up the ranks. You know, it's like, what are you going to do to stand out in that big of a sea? More of our conversation with Christian TG and Anarchy Wines in just a bit, as well as our Travel Paso Spotlight, which I will say just this. It's lit. All right, kind of a dad joke, I get it, but it will make sense later, I promise. Now, our first guest is another great story and revival, which has him in a brand new tasting room in Tin City. We're talking about Orion Stang of Emerson Wines. I remember Orion from the Paso Underground days, which, by the way, if you don't know Paso Underground, you've got to check that out. It's a little tasting room behind Ann B, the boutique, which is right on the park there. You can walk through Ann B, or you can actually go in the back alley I think it's called Railroad. It's really a street. It's not an alley. But it just, I don't know, it feels like an alley for some reason. But there are four tasting rooms, four or five people tasting their wines out of there. Real small lot wines and really good ones, too. I know Ranchero Cellars is in there. We talked to Amy Butler a few shows ago. In addition to Ranchero Cellars Primitive Wines, Ultima Thule, 
which is my favorite petite Syrah right now. Cameron's wines are seriously good. Uh, Lost Blues, also great wines. They're all great wines in there. So first, yes, met Orion when he was doing his Delecta wines, but now he's put all this focus on his new brand, Emerson Wines. The next chapter for Orion is already proving to be more exciting than the last. Emerson is Intensity's newest outcropping, known as the Annex. I show up to the tasting room, nice, spacious, super clean, sharp, chic, classy, welcoming vibes of this tasting room, and I can't wait to uh, see what he's got. I see a white wine, and I'm thinking, I hope that's Roussan. I hope that's Roussan. I hope that's Roussan. So give me that moonshine, we'll get by, we pass on round till the job is Camped out in the trees, it will simplify good company. <laughs> this is awesome, my man. Yeah. Well, anytime I get, a, I get a chance to start out the afternoon with some Roussan, I mean, <laughs> Roussan to me is just like, that is my white wine. Oh, yeah. I love it. Right. Where'd you get this? This is uh, from Glen Rose. Mm. Glen Rose Vineyard. Used to pass it every day on the way to work when uh, driving up to law. So we are in, by all accounts, Tin City. It's this idea of this like super cool industrial area that I mean, it's not uncommon for you to see forklifts backing up. Oh, I mean, gosh. I just was the people crushing right outside where my car's parked. Yeah. I mean, but <laughs> it's this cool though, like high level chic. Also, I mean, this is a beautiful tasting room, Orion. Oh, thanks, Adam. This yeah, looks great. It. You must be super proud of it. I'm really excited. I mean, just how everything came together, the finishes, and. Um, but yeah, I mean, you walk outside and there's uh, dumpsters and <laughs> yeah, right, this is an bins it, stacked. To the- <laughs> this is literally a working industrial area. And that's what's so, um, that's part of the charm about a uh, tin city and this tin city annex. And I know Tyler Russell calls him tin county, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's perfect. I love it. And the attitude uh, is what's so undeniable here. And this is the same kind of, you know, that, that producer, that tasting room, that's still got that fun vibe, but in this, in very much like a, a workable and working space. So man, it's been a long time since I've sat down with you. I mean, cause I know you're from, I mean, shoot past the underground days yeah delect the days and it was really fun to kind of prepare and i've always really enjoyed you and loved our rapport but it was always you know too short and too not enough oh, yeah. but um to learn about you more and read about you more i was like wow this is really cool because where wine took you yeah i mean yes you grew up on the central coast but you had a lot more of the culture in the world going on that was impressing you and dazzling you but it all brought you back to paso to make wine it really did yeah, I, I think the more more I dove into the wine world, I didn't know anything about winemaking per se. It was all based off of my experiences at restaurants and just kind of touring around Italy and touring around Napa and just. So your parents are foodies. You actually wanted to be a chef. Yeah. Where does that dream kind of? Where do you get misdirected and and get turned on to wine? Yeah, I mean just the pain in the ass work <laughs> in the back of a kitchen. Right. Uh, miss. Yeah directed me straight into the path of, you know, let's let's come out of the kitchen and let's uh, maybe focus on some wine. Were you into like wine stewarding, like being a sommelier, working table side, or when does it go from like, okay, wine has bit me in some respect, but now my passion is turning towards production? And it was definitely the sommelier route, you know, it was kind of, got, got to start somewhere. So restaurant-based sommelier, got my level two. Um, so I was kind of heading up the ranks there um and that was what really caught me it was just super fascinating and just the taste and from wine from all over the world yeah i was mainly focusing on like you know um cult stuff from like napa and australia and different things like that but um i knew uh, i had wine in my back 
backyard here, uh, growing up in on the central coast in Cambria. Yeah, and uh, that's well, what shoot, I got it up there. Oh yeah, now you got some great North Coast vineyards up there. Yeah, like Stolo and stuff. And yeah, Stolo's great. I know, right? Isn't that cool? I'm excited to see the Saxon uh, vineyard. The Saxon, the Cayuga stuff out of like Old Creek Road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I mean. And it's obviously Nicole Pope did a great, and Lucas did a great job with uh, stewarding that fruit. It's been, you know, getting tons of accolades. But now they just got Raj Parr as their winemaker. Did you see that? Oh, no. Yeah, they just got Raj Parr is going to be making their wines. For Stola? Yeah. Nicole's backing down to, like, be more tight with the family and work with Haleotide. They're sparkling. Okay. Which is killer. Wow. But I know. I mean, that's pretty cool. That's really cool. Yeah. So who knew? Yeah. Right up his alley, too. Yeah. North Coast is blowing up, too. So (laughs) you're like, hey, I'm, I'm seeing this in Paso, and... I love this story about you because coming from some, you know, a different industry, but I've been amazed by seeing how often the wine industry and the radio industry really are aligned. You don't get in to make a mint. Right. You know, you, you, there's something that is a lit fire inside you that makes you want to pursue broadcasting, radio, whatever. And like, you yeah. know, the wine business. And I remember when I was interning in radio, it was just say yes to everything, do whatever you can. And literally you started going to Eric Jensen and saying, at Booker and said, hey, I want to learn production. I want to see the process. I'll work for free. I'll do anything. Yeah. And that struck a chord in him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it certainly did. I, I think that was, I mean, I, I knew right off the bat, like I, I was 145 pounds <laughs> showing up at Eric Jensen. You know, he's looking at me like this, this kid can't do anything. Yeah. He can't even lift that barrel rack over there. Uh, I had to literally just outwork everybody. To get my foot in the door. I mean, I was up against uh, this Cal Poly grad, Elizabeth. Um, she was uh, Eric's assistant winemaker, and I was like working along her, and her out, out in the vineyard, and she was kicking my ass uh, yeah. up and down the fields, like, you know, left and right. And uh, But just, you know, put my head down, and I, I love the work. I love the busy work. I love to just stay active and motivated, and um, always got to be running around doing something. How much did that path and that crossing of it? specifically because it was Eric Jensen and the notoriety of Booker and because of his personality and everything about him. How important was that to getting into, because, you know, it's one thing I was hearing radio. It's not what you know, it's who you know. Yeah. Right? I mean, how important was that kind of mixing of your paths? Yeah, I think that was everything. And I I tell people this, you know, all the time, like if it was somebody else, um, I don't think I'd be where I'm at today, you know? Uh, So I definitely owe a lot to Eric Jensen. I mean, I, you know, it, 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 at times it was a pain in the ass, and of course I wanted to quit. But um, you know, I was working 120 hour weeks, uh, just like crazy. Like, I mean, what do you think you got from him? He's been on the show before, and he's of course just a, a character and one I, of a kind. Yeah. When what do you think you got from him that you might not have been privileged to get from someone else, unlike him? Uh, I, I think drive. You know, to be driven and just to like really just focus. You got to put everything into it. Like you can't, you know, do it half-assed. And yeah. I think I definitely uh, look up to him and just, I mean, he went all in, you know, and that, that's what you really got to realize. I mean, if you don't go all in, I mean, you just got to give it all you got. You, um, and I don't know where this in the journey happened, but uh, the access to good fruit. Mm. I mean, you've been able to get Biennacito fruit and some yeah. of these pieces and, you know, Glen Rose here, right? I mean, yeah. and, and get access to some very well-respected fruit. That's got to be a game changer too. It was a game changer. Yeah. I think, uh, and, and part of that was, you know, working at Booker and knowing the different people that I met at Booker. Um, that was kind of like the melting pot of, you know, um, a lot of solid winemakers and, uh, you know, cook. Carl Bowker that started at Legend. You know, this guy's awesome. Um, at Booker. He made his wines in, in the back of Booker. Um, 
that that was some of my first fruit. You yeah. know, reach out to Carl, like, hey, Carl, you know, I'm kind of buddies at that point. And uh, he's great too. Fantastic farmer. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah his, he just planted a bunch of new stuff up up on the top of his hill. Really? Yeah. We're talking about Carl Bacher from Kaliza. Yeah. Who I can't believe hasn't been on this podcast yet, but definitely needs to. I mean, he's super great winemaker. So you start to meet people like Carl. So you're not even just meeting people who are tied in at, at good at production, but I mean, really good at farming, which is where this begins. Yeah. And it's kind of, uh, I knew the, kind of the chapter down in Santa Barbara County. I was really kind of just stoked to um, explore and experiment. Uh, that was my whole thing with, you know, Delecta that I started in 2011 was just like, let's just have fun and make it just all about experimentation you know let's not take it too serious like i know you know we can make wines people want to drink uh but let's just try all kinds of fruit from all these different microclimates and just see how they piece together well where wine has taken you is this tasting room emerson wines e-m-e-r-c-y it's beautiful in here i imagine you got to make an appointment uh, it's an appointment, but yeah. walk-ins are definitely you, welcome. So if, if they got room for you, they'll, they'll sit yeah. you in here. And let's talk about the wines and, and the, the idea behind Emerson. So uh, Emerson is my grandma's nickname. Her name was Emily, and the kids couldn't pronounce it, so they, one kid called her Emerson. Oh, and it just kind of one of those I love things that. that stuck. That's cool. Um, and then, yeah, the, the bird... Uh, behind the behind the bar right there, that's kind of based off. That's a, kind of our main emblem. That's cool. Um, that's kind of like more like a reincarnation um, aspect. Searching for names, it's just like oh, something yeah. just has to grab you, and it's a. Uh, but this was cool. I mean, you know, I got my grandma tattooed on my neck, and yeah, well, the tattoos are very important to you. The ink is very. <laughs> you. That's the two things that I know. You know, people know about you is uh, one of all the ladies like to talk about Orion. They, oh, Orion, <laughs> he's so cute. Oh gosh. But um, <laughs> then all the tattoos, and they all seem yeah. to mean something. Well, take me on a, on a on an ink tour here. I know. Um, I have Cherokee in uh, on my dad's side. Um, so the Indian, basically, I got Indian on this side as well. Nice. Uh, daughter's name, Maddie. Never been a uh, color. I can't, I just can't do color. Sure. Uh, it's all black and gray. So, right. Um, cat. It's a cat. Got, got a cat, cat that you had? I got a Persian cat at home. Yeah. Oh, and that's, okay, cool. So that's pig, yeah. <laughs> Love People that, that used to come in and do my tastings at my house, that uh -huh. pig would be at the, on, on the counter with us. Yeah, my mom draws like um, art for Delecta, of course. Wow. So like she's always putting like um, an eye in things. Yeah. Um, What's that one right on your farm right there with like the angels and all this warrior? Oh, yeah. That's uh, Michelangelo in kind of a battle. Um, Dang. Cruising through. Yeah. I mean, different parts of my life, obviously. Uh, a daughter's favorite toy that she played with was a, a shark. Oh, no way. Growing up. and. Um, What's the keep the faith on the arm right there? That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's, oh, damn. With the, oh, that's dope. So my mom designed that one. See, you're the, you're the kind of guy that makes <laughs> me think, like, I want to walk around because it looks cool on you. I just yeah. don't know if oh, it would look as cool on me. Oh, it'd look cool. You know? you think, And then, uh, so is your whole, yeah. like, torso done? Uh, all the way down, yeah, my chest, my neck, and then I just got my whole back done. Your whole back's done? Yeah. You got a, a back piece, <laughs> as they say in the, in the circles. <laughs> what is your back piece, dude? That's uh, of like this kind of, it's a Japanese traditional piece um, from a guy in slow, Danny Derrick. Um, does a great job. It's uh, this dude kind of like biting into this lady's neck Whoa. with like this like, snake kind of wrapping around. Dang. School. It's very dark, but my, my mom yeah. designed it. So oh, don't really, did she? like, all right, mom. I was like, I wonder like what the ones <laughs> on the back, are they kind of like just the ones that you would have? I mean, because I mean, unless you're at a pool. Yeah. Chilling. <laughs> right. Do you feel like you're less showy around a pool, like with your shirt off because of all the tattoos or does that almost feel freeing? Like, heck yeah, if it's sunny by my pool, I'm going to take my shirt off. <laughs> what do you do? It's, uh, I know, I, I 
I, I can't remember the last time I was at a pool. Um, but it, it does feel like it is showy, you know? Yeah. Especially, I mean, I haven't even, like, really, nobody's really seen my back really? tattoo yet, wow. except my, you know, my, my girlfriend. Of and, course, yeah. And my daughter. But, uh, there's not yeah. going to be like an Emerson social Instagram post on like <laughs> the back reveal or anything. Just going to get right. <laughs> tattooed. Yeah. So when was the last one you got? Uh, my back. Okay. And then what yeah. was that? Was that a month ago? Three months ago? Um, when do you think? I have one more session to do like two more hours on it. No, someone with the amount of ink you have, are you already thinking of the next one? Yeah. I mean, I'm always... <laughs> yeah, actually, our intern, he's a tattoo artist. Wow. Uh, Dayton, yeah, that's going to be doing Harvest with us. So. Yeah. He does a uh, single needle stuff, so I mean, who knows? Finish up a day of harvest and sit down and that's crazy. Get I know. You know, some of these guys like their harvest thing is like you know, grow out the beard or yeah. whatever. But you, it could just be like long day of picking. Let's sync up. Mm. Let's do it right on the crush pad. I've always wanted to do a tattoo artist at one of my pickup parties. That's so interesting. Just, uh, I, just that'd be pretty fun. fun. Be fun. I mean, yeah, it'd probably be a. Uh, uh, liability, but we gotta have to work that out. Yeah, I'm sure your insurance guy will want to look through a couple papers first. Yeah. So this is so good. This Roussan. First of all, let's kind of and I hate to try and pigeonhole you, but you know, yeah, like yeah. when you talk about an artist and the music they play, you're like, you know, what would you say your your music's like, or what? I don't know. What kind of winery? You know, what kind of fingerprint of on Paso and or wherever you're getting fruit? Do you want to have with Emerson? Yeah, really. Um, I'm kind of bringing some of my favorite varietals, just kind of into Emerson that I've worked with um, throughout the years. So Roussan, actually, I've never worked with Roussan, but this was my first time getting it. So this is 2020. Uh, Glen Rose is just such a gorgeous site. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is like no topsoil. I mean, it's just like pure limestone. So it retains its acid really well. So that's kind of one of the reasons why I wanted to work with Roussan just from that particular site. We're literally right next to the row from Close Alin. Oh, Close nice. Alin, pull in. Now, when you get into Roussan for the first time, obviously you are a great winemaker. You must know that you like to drink Roussan. Yeah. But you're like, I'm going to start making it for the first time. Is it kind of like, I, I got to make sure I, you know, I'm going to taste a bunch of Roussans and make sure I dial it in. I'm going to ask all my favorite people who make Roussan what you're doing to it. I mean, do you kind of have to go on this like fact finding mission? I know you, you, you would think it would be kind of like that. I, I, I really wanted to just keep it very simple and just pure. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually doing it in concrete, 100% concrete, cool. kind of just bringing that whole minerality vibe to it. Yeah. Uh, high acid, um, just kind of keeping it really fresh and clean. I, I, I think I'm going to um, stop it from going through uh, ML Yeah. just to kind of keep that crisp. Uh-huh. Um, intensity you. to it. So, yeah. and then yeah, I, it's my first time really aging anything in concrete. So, fun. You got the full facility back there to kind of. It's like a little playground. Would you got like a little egg or a little thing or what? Uh, tulip. A tulip. Those got, are nice. We got one tulip right now, and then two stackable cubes. Fun. Yeah, yeah. I love concrete. Oh yeah. It's so much fun what it does to wine. Oh yeah. And it's yeah, kind it's... of a mild obsession too. Once you start getting it, like you're probably thinking of your almost like your next tattoo. You're thinking of your next, you know, concrete vessel, aren't you? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's all these different shapes, and it's like a toy, you know? They... And each one kind of does different things. Like, maybe <laughs> one will offer convection of some sort of movement of the wine. Some may offer this or that. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. I know. The egg is probably the, the one that kind of just really suspends the lees, and mm-hmm. um, a lot of them are for just kind of just show, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah they do. Awesome. They look sexy, though. Oh, yeah. You know, they look clean. Like, yeah. you walk into Epics. Um, oh, right, yeah. I, It's one of my favorite places to be. It's insane. Just to, like, see this obsession with concrete absolutely everywhere. <laughs> right. You know, it's really, really cool. So the Emerson project on the website, it looks like you have a partner who, who, that has like ties to Denver or something. Like the winery's got ties to Denver, and I'm, I'm curious where that comes from. Yeah, so I, I met Richard Crockett. Um, he's uh, my business partner in Emerson. 
and uh, we also have a brand called Ladrone together. Um, that's gonna Ladrone is basically the Denver side, uh, which I've been actually sourcing and making uh, Ladrone here at Paso for the last since 2016. With Paso fruit, I'm with guessing. Paso, yeah. Uh, Santa Barbara and Paso Fruit. Like Denver doesn't grow wine grapes, do they? I mean, Colorado. I mean, like, I guess every state does, but... They do. They do. I mean, they can do uh, some white bridles yeah. uh, pretty pretty decently. Yeah. Um, it's nothing like, you know, what no. we're getting here in Paso. Sure. Um, and then the Reds are, you know, not a huge fan. Of course. Um, yeah, I get but, it. So, one of the reasons why, you know, obviously we're sourcing from a great region um, here in right. Paso. and Santa Barbara County, but so and and it'll be under the same. It'll be under the Ladrone over there or Emerse over there. So we're gonna do both in both locations. Cool. Okay, yeah. awesome. A little bit of Emerse over in Denver. A little bit of Ladrone here in Paso. Uh, I think this is great. You know why? Because you can literally fly from Denver to San Luis Obispo <laughs> in a straight shot. And this may be how you met these people because yeah. they lived in Denver and they were just making the the shot over to Slow. Oh yeah, and be in Paso in thirty minutes upon landing at the airport. Easy. And you really have the opportunity to introduce a lot of people to the scene from Denver that will come here to like make the pilgrimage. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it's crazy how many people enjoy Paso wines that are in Colorado. Yeah. Denver to be, you know, just one of the areas in Colorado. And uh, there's no, nothing like it. There's no, there's no wineries over there um, doing anything like that we're doing. Um, so, I mean, the marketplace is wide open. Yeah. How many so, wines are you making now? We're doing seven, uh, seven for Emerson, and then Ladrone does about seven as well. Are they different in style? I mean, are we going to like have Bordeaux over there and Rhone's over here, or you just kind of get your hands on whatever you want? They are, you know. So Emerson is going to have like a Burgundy program, so Pinot Chardonnay. Uh, then also, you know, I'm going to have fun with my Rhone's. Mm-hmm. And then we're also going to actually invite uh, a pretty good-sized Bordeaux program cool. in Emerson. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm actually really excited about that. Um, Ladrone's more kind of a uh, blend-based. So a lot of like Zin, heavy Petite Syrah. There you go. Cool. Um, different things like that. You know, obviously bringing in some Syrah, Grenache, uh, a little bit of Morved. He does like a Cab Morved blend. Um, tell me about this. Speaking of blending, tell me about this blending glass that you brought out. Yeah. Uh, How does this work? I, what, we, so, should, we fill it up with a little bit of something or what? Yeah, let's uh, let's fill it up with a little bit. So the, I, I first got introduced to these at Top. Uh, Stanley busted out um, some of the like the very first ones that were made. Uh, Peugeot he, makes them. He's the car company? Yeah. Stanley <laughs> and Elena, they were, uh, we talked to Elena. He's a little bit shy, but man, what a cool guy. Fantastic wines, as I'm sure you. Oh, he's awesome. I mean, he is like the perfect amount of like hood. Yeah. And class. Right. Like, he's just, I mean, the fact that he would know these, I am so not surprised. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, so, okay, so I'm holding what looks to be like a wine glass, but it almost looks like it's in the shape of a of a bullet. I know, a bullet, yeah. You know, <laughs> and then in the bottom, there's a, a little bunt, and then on the side, there's one too. Yeah. And you kind of stick your thumb and your forefinger, your forefinger in the bottom, and your thumb in the side, and I'm holding this <laughs> suspended. This is pretty cool. And I'll take a picture of this and, and post it, because you got to check these out. I I've never seen these, but they're so... Yeah. I mean, you look pretty bougie when you're... <laughs> oh, yeah. Because it almost forces your pinky out. I know, right? It's... <laughs> All right so what's the deal? What's like the, the methodology behind a glass like this? So, I mean, they put the indentations in here for your fingers, uh, less contact with the actual wine. So, you know, wine stays at a pretty consistent temperature. Yeah. Um, but really the theory, obviously, I mean, they're hand blown is the concentration at the, at, at the top of the glass. Yeah. Cause it's a significantly smaller opening than say a regular wine glass. So the theory is if you can blend something in this glass and get it to taste good. Yeah. 
I mean, and once you put it into a regular glass, that has a that has a wider singing. Yeah, this glass can also point out flaws. Yeah, so with, with that concentration, it's basically bringing everything to a head. I mean, anything that's really like flawed in the wine, I mean, it's going to be right here. Yeah. So I mean, if the wine's too hot, you're going to get all the alcohol. Um, that's really cool. You're going to get the aromatics. You're going to get all the fruit right there. Well, I think you passed uh, the test because that tasted great out of this glass. <laughs> Thanks, man. What is this wine that we're drinking? This, this red here. So the first red that I decided to start us off with is uh, a Grenache Cab Petite Syrah. Mm. Isn't cool that Paso can just do what it wants? Kind of fun. I, I really just had fun this first year um, in 2019 blending these. Um, I did two Grenache blends. I did a Grenache Cab, and then I did a Grenache Petite. And it's kind of fun, like, doing... In our members lounge, we'll do a a side-by-side. So you'll get two glasses, and it'll kind of be like a comparison. So you can kind of compare and contrast two Grenaches made in a very similar fashion, but maybe, you know, some vineyards kind of next door to each other, or like, you know, 10 miles down the road. Yeah. um, And just to see how different they actually can be. How much fun is the blending a part of it all? Oh, gosh. The blending is so much fun. I mean, it's always, you always kind of get in your head about it in a sense because it you know it is a lot of work and it can be it can be grueling you know i mean some winemakers spend months just coming up with their blends or some people hire consultants to, right because you know, they're second guessing themselves and be like oh maybe this isn't the best it could be let's ask you know so and so i like to just go and close doors <laughs> shut everybody out yeah and just like power through like a solid blending session and i don't like to second guess myself like if i taste something that it's it's good i'll, I'll taste it the next day and if i like it the next day that's it. How uh, much is that um, that torment on on oneself when you're doing, especially if you make that choice to kind of ride at it solo? Is there a lot of second guessing? Or just like, no, this is what this is what it is. I'm cool with it. Yeah. I'm just gonna trust it'll be fine and just kind of like you know go to bed and, and we'll come back and see it a little later or what? The second guessing comes um, after the wine's bottled. <laughs> For me, yeah, it's like all right, the blends were awesome. I feel really good about them. I mean. When, when I was doing Delecta blends, I, I did 16 wines in like seven hours Man. in my house. Yeah. Like I just sat there and just didn't get up until I had every single wine done. And this, you know, 16 wines, that's like crazy. And don't ask me why I made 16 wines in a, <laughs> for a vintage. <laughs> but you have to I mean, you have to probably do things to kind of, you know, hit reset on your palate. And, oh, yeah. but, but if you're in the zone, you're in the zone. What are you going to do? Yeah. You got to do it. Yeah put some rap on you know yeah what is your music that you like to listen to (laughs) either in the cellar or while you're doing things like that i know i i literally i was like i wonder if music affects my mood and how the blends end up and uh, i put on some classical just to like kind of be like really chill yeah and uh i i was not coming up with shit really (laughs) classical classical wasn't inspiring at all but then you put on like like, you know nwa (laughs) right and it all comes alive (laughs) it was like that beat like i I just gotta have like some like kind of beat like a momentum and that just gets me in the zone and it's like holy shit Things just start I was talking together. to different winemakers who uh, swear by the music that they play in the cellar. I oh, mean, yeah. John Munch, or uh, I mean, I mean, shoot, TG. Mm-hmm. You know, some of these people, the music that they play just in the cellar, in and of itself, mm-hmm. is very specific. And I mean, yes, some of it, I, I feel these people use it to drive them. Some folks, it's actually no, like the, the the grapes need this. Oh yeah, 
Isn't that yeah. interesting? Maybe some Metallica or... Sure. Whatever it is. <laughs> Something, yeah. I mean, that's what John Munch was talking about that. <laughs> I thought it was really, really interesting. That is really... I mean, it's yeah. probably creating some kind of energy, you know, based around the... Yeah, he was saying, like, especially, like, right now, Harvest, like, not only... He, was, he swore that when you're bringing new fruit into the cellar, mm-hmm. the wine that's in barrel over there or whatever, like, it is reacting to it. Like, there is an alive feeling going on in cellars right now. Oh, yeah. You, you could smell it. The, the dynamic is... And maybe it's, like, you know, you said some energy or this or that. Yeah. And some of it's probably not quantitative, but shit, who knows, you know? it's it's If it's there, I, it's there, right? I don't know. I mean, if you're picking by uh, the moon... <laughs> You know, gravitational pull by the moon. I mean, anything's possible. I mean, the energy, the music has definitely got to be something. How much of a pull are you using with these vineyards? Or do we just finding people that we implicitly trust? Um, I'll pick it when I want to pick it. Or how in the mix are you with as far as the farming? I like to be involved as much as I can. And the reason why I kind of work with the people I work is because I've worked with them for many years. uh, And I know they're farming um, really well. And what's good is for you is good for me. So I, I don't really try to go in and interfere unless right. there's an issue. Like I'm out in the vineyard and it's like, oh, this this could be a problem. Mm-hmm. But these guys are professionals and I don't like, like to be that guy that kind of goes out there and like, oh my God, you know, this is all wrong. Yeah. Uh, we got to water more. We gotta, Winemaker Karen. <laughs> <laughs> we got to drop fruit. We got to, uh, no, they're, they're professionals and they're good at what they do. And it's yeah. like, uh, you know. Well, there's a reason why you're getting their fruit, you know? Yeah. 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 So what is this third wine? By the way, these wines are fantastic. I mean, oh, we tasted the Emerson wines, uh, Roussan. It was ballpark home run. Just incredible. Thanks, that man. first one with the Grenache, the Cab, and the Petit Syrah. What a unique blend. Super good. And your wines have always, and I've always liked you as a winemaker because they have this like restraint. Like obviously Paso achieves its ripeness, but there's just like this deliberate pulling back of the reins in a bit and Letting it be, let it sit in this kind of pure elegance. And I've always really been a fan of your wines for that reason. What's this one right here? So I poured you, uh, actually, speaking of Caliza, uh, this is Caliza Syrah, uh, Cabernet Sauvignon, and Petite Syrah. 80% new French oak. Mm. Just kind of bringing more of that little elegance, uh, a little more density in the mouthfeel. Delecta was based off like neutral. Yeah. Pretty much everything. Right. Emerson, I'm actually kind of, kind of bring up the oak program a little bit more. Cool. Which is fun for me, and I, I think fun for the consumer. Obviously, um, a lot of wine fans in Paso know of like Orion Stang and your wines, whether it's Delecta or old, maybe they've known you for longer than that, uh, Ladrone, things like that. But when you change logos and and this is kind of moving in a new direction, is there? Do you feel like a little bit of like catching up with folks? For like, hey, new project, Emerson, want you to check? Because obviously, people go, oh, these are yours. Oh, damn! Like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm down to try, of course, because yeah. you got a reputation that precedes yourself with your winemaking. But is there a little bit of an uphill battle even when someone like you embarks on a new project yeah i i'm i'm such a a homebody <laughs> i i don't go out a lot i don't just kind of self-promote myself um as much as i should so yeah starting a new project like this is kind of like since i'm a little more quiet and don't get out so yeah i mean i, I feel like a it is a little nerve-wracking you know it's like oh no you know we're in this little corner in tin city or not even in tin city like tin county uh i think annex. it's tin city enough yeah <laughs> for me it is um and it's you know it's th- this is more of a destination now so like people got to really know about you uh we've been throwing kind of little gatherings here and there but you know with the surge of covid again i like, know it's like that's kind of shutting us down more um so it's really getting creative on you know how to get noticed um again and how to get people through the door and yeah um 
we just hired two people uh, as our front of the house, and they it's were beautiful in here. Thank you. It looks okay. really good in here. And then, so what? We, we obviously, if there's room to walk in, you can. Um, you can go to emercywines.com. Yeah, and, and book an appointment. And then, what? You come in, and how many different wines do you try here? And how much is it? And how does it go down? So we taste five wines um, during a session, and then obviously we do Corvin some stuff. Um, oh, cool. We'll even do some kind of side by side pairings. I love uh, that. With the uh, um, the Peugeot glass, which is yeah, kind of fun. Ask, ask about the blend glasses <laughs> when you come in here. Say you heard it on the podcast and, and get a taste out of these these glasses here at Embassy because I think that was a really cool and eye opening experience. Yeah, it's kind of fun. And then the wines, how much do they go for? What do they retail for? So these are sixty five across the board. That's got to be easy, huh? We just feel like super easy. We have an upper tier, um, mm-hmm. which are for wine club. They're kind of like my winemaker series. They very much over-deliver. These wines are fantastic. Oh, thank you, man. Yeah, they really perform. They're just really, really pretty. Is the idea to be just kind of, you know, popular, you know, with your direct-to-consumer crowd and fans? Or is it like, hey, no, I, I want to get this on, you know, a few wine lists at restaurants? Or oh, what, yeah. What it, what's like the idea as far as, you know, putting these with some wings and getting them to other places? Right. Yeah, that's definitely the dream. Um, that's my next move. After Harvest kind of wraps up, I'll be kind of hitting the road quite a bit and uh, kind of networking. Obviously, Southern California being our in our backyard, yeah. Uh, kind of focusing on that area first and putting together a, a lot of parties. Well, someone quiet like you, do you like these things or do you dread these things? I am the worst salesman. <laughs> <laughs> I can talk about the wines and be like super passionate, and I'm I'm a people person. Like I, yeah, I sure. love talking yeah, to people, yeah, yeah. but uh, you know when. When it comes down to sales and, and like closing, uh, I'm, yeah. I'm just not that guy to like like. Oh yeah, you know how many how many bottles can I wrap up for you? Or, right, sure. Or what, did I tell you about the wine club? Uh, right, the closing is always tough because you don't want to seem like you're salesy. Like you're the you're the winemaker. You're yeah. the you know. Yeah, yeah. You're the guy with the tattoos. Come on, I can't do everything for you. You know, like, come on, guys. Yeah. So this is how we kind of introduce some more folks, maybe some folks in L.A. Yeah. restaurants, wherever, to pick up some of the Embassy brand. Oh yeah. Cool. Absolutely. No, I'm I'm excited for it. Yeah, I think yeah. it'd be cool for some psalms. Like, reach out some psalms, bring them up here, I and mean, just to see this and be around here. And yeah, they love coming up to Paso and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, I just can't wait to share this with people. Like uh, these wines, I mean, just fantastic. And EmersonWines.com is the website. How do the how does the 21 fruit look so far? Fantastic. Yeah, does it? We uh, we're bringing in Petite Syrah and Cabernet. And Cab Franc, actually, on Yum. Friday. You're going to do a single bottle Cab Franc, maybe? I don't know if there's enough. Yeah, uh, you may have to blend it. <laughs> could be a, a blend, yeah. 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 I mean, you know. Um, I love Cab Franc. Oh, me too. There's not enough of it here in Penso. Uh-huh. It's like, where where is it? I know. I know. Isn't that weird? <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is from a new vineyard right off Peachy Canyon. Uh, so oh, I'm cool. To, yeah, work with that. Um, is it is it tough to keep your head on the, the ground as far as the pulse of who's got some new vineyards? Oh, is there, you know, oh, get, get, get some of that one and see if there's still, I mean, oh, they'll be online in a couple of years. I mean, is there a lot of like chit chat about who's coming up with some new plantings? It There, there always is. Uh, I mean, my buddy, uh, Brett from Levo. Oh, yeah. Brett Ernest. Um, they, they planted a vineyard. I'm super excited to check that out. Wow. Um, so that that's coming online, I think, either next year or the year after. Um, so there's always something new, you know? It's like, um, we're and talking. And he's one of the cool kids, too. I can see a lot of people wanting to get his fruit. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. He's, he's fantastic. We're, you know, talking about maybe planting out in the York Mountain area. Really? Um, now, that's going to be, that's the new promised land. Yeah. Because it's super finite. Yeah. And you only have, what, like Anthony, yeah. you know, Russell, of course, the Epic crew. Russell. And now. Um, Shadow Canyon. Yeah, and now you have Justin Smith. 
yeah. out there at York Mountain. So there's not a lot of folks out there. Who would you be getting into that with? We would basically have to lease the land off somebody's property. Yeah. Um, which, you know, there's, there's definitely people willing to... Sure. I love, you know, I, I live over in Willow Creek and kind of the same thing with that. Like, I, I'd love to plant my property. It's, yeah. Well, man, it's so much fun to catch up with you. Thanks for saying yes to me during harvest. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I just know, I mean, you're a really great um, example of just how hard work and doing what you want and doing it your own way can really work in passive and you being good people and you crossing paths with good people. I mean, that kind of was just uh, the key to success for you, wasn't it? It was just, you know, being humble, kind of just, I'm very down to earth. Um, I try to be like a very easy person to work with in every aspect of my life. So um, I think just those parts of just being, you know, going through life is pretty valuable and, you know, get to where you want to be. But yeah, a lot lot of hard work. Honestly, I I work seven days a week, just never take any time off. So it's like, and I I love it. Sure. No, yeah. You could tell that you love what you love what you're doing. Yeah. You got to love it. Did you have fun doing (laughs) this? Was this fun? This was awesome. Thanks, man. My pleasure. It's absolutely my pleasure. Let me ask you, if you were to put this fantastic podcast experience and ink it on your body, what would it be and where would it be? How would we commemorate (laughs) this? Maybe we'll get dueling. Maybe we'll get twin tattoos Damn, but yeah. what would we do well, you got some space on that arm on your left arm maybe right there maybe I'd do like a, a some of your, your little uh, the little board here little board and a microphone or maybe Black the headset a little board or yeah like a little little, little headset yeah that, that'd be, be kind of cool alright Microphone? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, maybe what? we should drop some renderings and then you and I get super tanked and go get <laughs> double tattoos. <laughs> I don't have any yet. Right on. You don't have any? No, I don't have any. Oh, shit. I thought about doing one after I lost my mom, and then I thought about doing one after I lost a dog that I had for 13 and a half years of lab. Uh, okay. Yeah. And if I, and if I was going to, I just didn't know what to do. And right. it's like if someone as indecisive as me can't figure that out, <laughs> it's probably best I just don't do one until I really, really know. Right. What's the one that hurts the most out of all the ones you have um actually the hands hurt quite a bit man uh that hurt you know you would think the neck would hurt but didn't really yeah Uh, the back has been a grueling process you have any crazy ones below the belt any crazy no nothing like you know (laughs) too crazy yeah Uh, i got i got one on each thigh okay um so who knows i might venture down down the legs here uh do you think you would regret if you no. got like a tattoo and you'd be like, damn, why did I get that? I would really make sure it would need to be something that I would never regret. Okay. Like showing homage to my mom who I loved and, and Allie and my dog. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would be fine. You yeah. know, and I would even be so I would even be fine to get one of like Audrey or something. I don't know what it would be. I don't yeah. think I'm gonna get old English across my <laughs> chest that says Audrey. Audrey. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. but uh, and then you know I got we got a new dog now which he which he's really special and I could see oh, almost like the way you did pig on the side yeah something like that that's kind of cool that's yeah I I, I love pig I mean these must be little... very expensive this must be an expensive hobby God it is Isn't you know it? some t- uh, I've traded wine for tattoos uh, met met a lot of different tattoo artists have you ever got one that you're like oh man I don't like that you didn't do a good job yeah I mean you're gonna have those you know um, you I mean, would only know I would know <laughs> my first tattoo I, I look back and it's like you know this is kind of fading a bit. And uh, there's some shit that's... Uh... Would you change it a little bit? <laughs> uh, my first one I got on my back was a uh, The Stupid Son. <laughs> oh, I right. I picked off the wall with my buddy. And uh, literally, this was in Morro Bay, like an old school Morro Bay tattoo uh-huh. shop. And uh, this lady was like 70 years old. She was just drilling into my back, like blood just going down my oh, back. Right. And my buddy was just like taking pictures of it. It's like, holy shit. <laughs> and there was a talking parrot, uh, like squawking, like the whole time I was getting my tattoo. Oh, uh, 
Best experience, no. Yeah. <laughs> I just got that one covered up. Did you really? So, yeah, with the That's one on my so back. Funny. So, yeah. <laughs> this was a lot of fun to hang out with you. My only regret is that it wasn't long enough. I mean, this was, oh, we'll yeah. have to come back and do this again. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Uh, the yeah, Roussan, both blends. Go to emercywines.com. I love these little blending glasses we got a chance to, and I'm going to hang and drink for a little more. Appreciate it, my man. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Cheers, Thank you, man. Thanks, Adam. Yeah, I like that. It was, it was really a lot fun. of fun. Give me that moonshine, we'll get by, we pass on down till the job is done. Get out in the trees, it will simplify good company. Thanks so much to Orion Stang for the great conversation. Enjoy spending time with him. You have to get out there. And when you're done, you can literally just go up the street, the next block, and you'll be at my next stop to catch up with Christian TG of Anarchy Wines. Now, Christian TG, the Zen bitch himself, he was behind popular brands like Four Vines. Like I said, love that biker Zen. Um, Cypher, Zen bitch. Changed the game with his naked Chardonnay. He took one of the most popular blends, Anarchy, and created Anarchy Wines, which is located right as you're coming in to Tin City on Marquita. Now, I show up at his place. I do have Georgie with me. I know Chris liked dogs, but I had no idea he was like the dog whisperer. Like Georgie was all over him and and super oddly comfortable here. Like the dog went behind the tasting room as we're recording and like grabbed this starfish or something behind that was on a shelf. Super out of character, but he's just feeling the vibe here, I guess. He's enjoying himself. The tasting room is super cool too. These like uh, Medusa looking light fixtures. I forgot what he called them. My favorite part is this old looking medieval vibe I get from this double door, large mirror armoire that actually opens up side by side doors and you walk. That's how you walk into the cellar. It's like walking into Narnia. So all the wines that I know Christian from, especially from those cypher days, it's interesting to hear how he chose the ones he kept on with and the ones he moved on from. Anarchy. The rule was if it's tattooed to my body, it stays with me. Okay, there you go. Right. So, I mean, all the things that Karatek, what what are we, I'm going to have them removed. Right. Right. So, um, yeah, so I got to hold on basically to the freaks, you know? Which um, is perfect for you. Yeah, it's where my heart was. Yeah. You know, Um, there's a lot of. There's a lot of passion, a lot of creativity. You know, it was, Four Vines was amazing. Um, it was my baby forever. It really gave me the... You know, we started in our garage. We weren't the rich kids, right? So we started in our garage, and the fact that we made a really great everyday bottle of wine with Old Vine Cuvées and Fendel, you know, by the end of it, you know, before we sold the company, we were doing 60,000 cases of OVC. And then Naked Chardonnay, you know, one of yeah, the first I mean, no oak Chardonnays, 60,000 cases of when it. Huge. We defined trends, you know, it was cool. You really got put on the map that Naked Chardonnay was just like ballistic huge. What was it about your, I mean, obviously, you know, we've asked this question to different winemakers about is wine more art or more craft? And I, you know, just like getting a treat to get inside your mind and heart here and there in the times that I've known you or the times that we've been on the air. I mean, you definitely make this you put flair to it, you put art onto it, you infuse it into your winemaking, and you can see it, feel it, hear it. I mean, you're like all sensory. All five senses are affected. Uh, you know, I mean, we've got music on in the background. I mean, it's, 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 it's all five senses here. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, I, it's really funny you said that. Is because I went to an all boys Catholic prep school, you know, back in New Jersey, Dilbarton, and which I'll give absolute cred to, and you know, it was a great education, great thing, and. You know, there's a lot of people that went to the school that come back and do a lot for the alumni and everything. And when the school kind of heard what I was doing, making wine and everything, they, uh, you know, the present headmaster, Brother Paul, who was actually a pretty, a pretty good uh, friend uh, that I knew. He's a cool priest. Yeah. And um, he's like, hey, man, I'm really into wine. I love what you're doing. Could we maybe do something for the Alumni Association? Why don't we do a dinner? And it's, of course, right in the middle of harvest. And I'm like, yo, Brother Paul, I'd love to. This sounds great. I'll do it all, but it's harvest. I can't come. He's like, well, look, I'll I'll do it. I'll be the MC. I love wine. I'll, we'll get into this. And it would really be great to just get in and talk about the wines with you and all this other stuff. So I send him all the wines. The whole thing comes up. And the week before, dinner he he's like so let's go through the wines together and I'm talking to him and i'm starting to talk about wine the way i talk about wine yeah <laughs> which which for someone who doesn't know i mean i was immediately electrified by the way you embody a conversation about wine i mean wine it's articulate it's heartfelt but it's 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 sensuous it's yeah it's sensuous and, and i am a sensuous person and yeah. i am turned on by sensuous things and wine and food have always been one of them and the thing is is i'm using all this vocabulary talking to good old brother paul yeah about how this wine you know it's just got the most incredible you know everything it sounds like an al green and song he's or just something like um excuse me but you're it kind of make um, i started literally making him uncomfortable he was yeah. just like he's like i i hope you don't could be upset if i don't describe the wines these ways <laughs> <laughs> like you know, the first girl you ever kissed, or you yeah, know, like this. And I was just like, I was like, brother Paul, I'm really sorry. I was like, plain and simple, wine is a sensual experience, and you know, I'm not mincing words. These are just sensual wines, and these are the words you use to describe them. You can describe them any way that turns you on. Okay, there you go. So, uh, but it was just really funny because you said that it was like a long time ago. I got called out for being too sensuous that's so with it all. But I mean, that's actually you know was part of what we did is like when we started we were living in a very Martha Stewart time where yeah. everything had to be a very proper label and had to be Burgundian or Bordeaux we need to be taken very seriously and I'm, I'm a punk rocker surfer from the 80s you know I mean let's do let's wear our hearts on our sleeves let's do outrageous things you know that's where anarchy came from yeah you know we're gonna talk about anarchy wines because i'm excited we're in tin city just adjacent i'm right, right on your way in i don't know what a classification where the borderline tin you know city heights yeah, tin, yeah there you go what <laughs> yeah. was this what was like of course you know your cypher days and coming out there was a there was, there was kind of you know cyclical there's times that you know there's there's valleys there's peaks when you look at some of the the valleys and the rise i really feel like you're on this rise right now that's very exciting i mean you're starting to see some of that dtc love that you know like all these people coming back i mean covid must have been tough for some but you know then there were brands like yours that had a really strong direct-to-consumer like tightness with their people and you seem to do very well everybody came out of the woodwork i mean we had such a following for so long between four vines and cypher that you know um it's a luxury these days to to 
and and I'm so grateful for it. You know, after all this time, that's something of real value that I look back on and say, wow, you know, we connected with a lot of people. It was yeah. cool. But when, you know, the shit hit the fan, everybody was just like, dude, send me wine. You know, I'm so stuck. They found you again. Blah, blah, blah. And uh, I've had plenty of so many club members call me up and say, dude, send me a box of wine before I kill my mate. <laughs> so oh, uh, it was man. good to be there. It was wonderful yeah. to find out that we are an essential service. <laughs> yeah, well, you certainly are. You certainly are. I liken the radio business often to the wine business and sometimes I've known from being in radio 20 years the radio business can be brutal and you know what the wine business can be brutal like I've heard stories of people you know either being stripped from their brand I mean I just brought up Gary Eberly and thank god that ended up fine but talk to my friend Bob Linquist from Coupe that's a harrowing story that you could write a book over oh yeah I was just interviewing somebody else recently with another Paso brand that they're doing something new and exciting but it's like some of these dissolutions and you're no stranger to this they can be tough yeah. Um, I mean, I will flat out say it that um, I totally regret selling Four Vines. It was my baby, you know, and life would be very different now if I had not sold it, you know. But in what way? I don't know. I might be locked and loaded and bored and complacent, you know. I think the universe shakes the cage every once in a while maybe to inspire a little bit and force the change and mix it up. I think that's it's an interesting opportunity for growth and expansion and creativity and, and new waves to take off, you know. Um, you know, I, I just miss my baby, you know, like making Naked Chardonnay and the luxuries that it you know, supplied were, was really nice. But, you know, I don't regret the past because I'm in a place right now where I think I'm a better winemaker, I've um, gotten super creative again. I've got all the new funky labels and the new projects that I'm doing. Um, the connection to the peoples is still there. And, and all those guys are the ones that have inspired me to like go and go big again and have That's fun cool. with it all. But it's like right now, you know, I'm getting back into making white wine. Why? Well, I've been paddleboarding a lot in the Oyster Flats, hanging out with Neil from Mono or Morro Bay Oyster Company. And guess what? <laughs> we need white wine. <laughs> we need white wine in the house. Absolutely. So, so, What do you want to play with? I love white wine. Oh, my God. I have to tell you, I'm an absolute floozy for Sauvignon Blanc. Um, I loved it. And I've always loved it. In fact, when I went to make my white wine for four vines at the time I wanted to make like a New Zealand style Sauvignon Blanc but yeah. I didn't really see the fruit potential here so I started messing around with Santa Barbara Chardonnay but pretending I was making New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc ah. and that's how Naked kind of came about that's from my funny. perspective now meanwhile Kim Crawford's doing it down in New Zealand Trevor Jones is doing it in Australia the French have always been doing it Toad Hollow was doing it up in Sonoma and we all just kind of like that idea was rising out of the you know, the pile and the drowning cesspool of just overly oaked ML nightmare wines. But mm -hmm. it's all about the acid. That's what's exciting. It's all about food to me. I grew up cooking. I love seafood. I love oysters. The reason why I make white wine is for all those things. Yeah, and the higher the acid, the higher, the better it pairs. Yeah, exactly. So you know, food. I love champagne. You know, yeah, I drink right. more champagne. I never realized how much champagne I drank until someone asked me and I started doing the math and I was just like... Oh, that's a troubling amount of champagne well is it really troubling <laughs> i'll take that trouble anytime yeah no doubt it just more so i think it's like you need a reason to have champagne yeah it's a day that ends in why and so it's 
I challenge everybody to go have a reason to have champagne. Yeah. You know, it's it's a mental shift. You know, it's a for great me. way to put it. You poured me two wines. These are the both. These are different verticals of the legs. Yeah, this is drop dead legs. So this did is you say the, the inspiration between these legs is that was actually here? I just met her. Yes. Well, she's not the inspiration. She's the model. Oh, she's the model. So those were her legs yes. that I saw in real three dimensions and the odds on the label. Yes. That's Alex like, was bold enough when she heard me waxing about this idea one day and what I wanted to do. I was just like, and I want to do this. And I had a little mock-up that I had done with something I poached from an old pantyhose ad. And That's great. Um, she's like, I love this idea. It's awesome. I was just like, but I just got to go find a great leg model. She's like, I'll do it. And I was just like, really? Cool. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, that'd be fun, you know? And so, um, thank God she had a great set of legs. Yeah. You know? And, Sweet. Alex, Alex loved it. The first time we went down and one of our club members, Don, Don Atkins, a big rock and roll photographer from the 80s. He was um, Motley Cruz photographer. Oh, my God. And he's down in uh, Redondo Beach. And um, he and his wife, Joelle, they have a house here in Paso, and they've become big fans of the winery. And so we've had many conversations, and I was talking about this idea with him one day, and he's like, dude, I have this killer studio down in Redondo, you know, where I do all my photography work and everything. He's like, you should come down. We'll do it down there. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah, come on. Let's just play. We'll have some fun. So we did some preliminary shots with Alex here in Paso. And then it was perfect. She was coming back from being on vacation. She was all tan. We all met down in LA. Oh, perfect. And we hung out down there and her boyfriend, Ken, was there. And, you know, it's kind of intimidating standing there, you know, with oh, sure, your yeah. boss in pantyhose and stuff. But Alex rocked it. You yeah, know, she had a great time. And in the end, she just said that was one of the coolest experiences I've ever had. Yeah, heck yeah. So, but it, it was Don and Joelle were so professional and was so artistic and so beautiful and so well done. And is this hundred um, percent Grenache? Yeah. And God, uh, this is so good. And now it's becoming something more than it was. Um, meaning there was just a singular vision of, Oh, let's just do a great Grenache and call it drop dead legs. Now it's evolved to this thing where, you know, Grenache has the, a different personality, much like Syrah. It, when it's in the warm climate, it's one way. When it's in the cool climate, it's a different way. Mm-hmm. So I want to do both of them. I want to combine them. I want to play with them. I want to just say, this is Grenache. And then I've been doing Grenache Rosé for, I don't care, tell you how long, and I love it. And so we finally come up with it, and we're like, we're just going to do it under the Drop Dead Legs label. And so there it's going to be a Rosé, and it's great, because then we went out with the vineyard. Alex's family has... This amazing 52 Bel Air that's completely restored, that's been in the family forever. So we dragged it out to Eric O's place out in the vineyard. <laughs> Alex is having to do like these contortion moves, right. the legs sticking out of the window and everything with the legs. So well, we have the vertical legs pictures are all going to be champagne. We're going to do a sparkling Grenache. Wow, you're going to have a whole portfolio. We're going to do a sparkling Grenache and we're going to do a Grenache Rosé. And that's going to be. It's going to have, the label's going to have little, you know, hints of pink to it. We've well, got to insure these legs. I mean, you've got to work in harvest. I mean, this, oh, is, this is making me nervous already. I don't know. She's, she's already can't, you can't live with her already, so yeah. don't get her going too much. Right. You've got to protect <laughs> these legs at no, all costs. This is awesome. She's I love it. a great job. But now my girl Kelly is like, she has a great set of legs too. So on this other shoot, because the idea, remember I was telling you earlier, the idea of the label was these two sets of legs under right. the table. So I asked Kelly one day, I was like, Hey, do you know? Do you want to come down? That's and your sweetheart. Do do the uh, do the shoot with us? And uh-huh. she's like, yeah, that sounds like fun. She knew 
Alex, and Alex and her talked about it, and she got all excited. Yeah, this is going to be fun. So we went down, and we did another whole day shooting, but we did the legs as we oh, I always envisioned where there was two sets where you could do all right. these things where they're crisscrossed and mixing matches and all this stuff. Uh-huh. And we got so many great images. Oh, and we had the experience of the first round come back. So we got a lot of the shots that we were working on that really didn't come to fruition. We got them right this time. And, you know, it was like having both girls there brought such a different energy to the whole thing, which yeah. is fantastic. That's really know? cool. But would I have ever gone there without all the change that's happened? I don't know. Um, I, I'm glad that I'm here at this place in time. Yeah. And I'm very grateful for everything that's that's gone between. You've so. always been a lover and uh, just a fan of the vineyards. I mean, you get so electrified when you start talking about the different vineyards you're sourcing from, or where you're pulling fruit from, where I you're farming. For that man, you what? Many many could call it an addiction. So sure. I, I, th- I had to I had to go therapy for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, it's all about terroir. It's all about the dirt. Um, in fact, during COVID, you know, we went totally virtual and we had this amazing audience show up and I was just wall to wall with virtuals, but we'd get up there and I'd tell, most of the time I just sat there educating people about terroir. I was like, what do you like about wine? You're all basic wine drinkers. Now you're moving to a more advanced levels. What's the difference between all that? Once you start to get into what you yes. like and what you don't you like, so it's good all at that. about dirt, man. With me, you were so good at helping me understand not only what these you know these like static facts it is it's all about the vineyard it's all about the dirt but then you know what do you like what turns you on as you said earlier and i mean i don't know i I feel like you really enlightened my way of kind of like shifting my lens to figure out where i came from where i belonged in this Mm -hmm. wine Mm-hmm. scene mm-hmm. and what I like. I thought it was really exciting. I, that, I think that's what everybody wrestles with and I think it's the biggest obstacle in wine with people is that you know, I mean think back you know, hundreds of years ago you know, which is what we always reference during the ages of terroir, why this was growing there and something else is growing someplace else. Why? Because yeah. that's what worked there. Whatever. Right. Uh-huh. But these were just peasants drinking the local wine. Right. And their cultures were built around it. The food was built around it. It wasn't pomp and circumstance. It was like, we like this one because it tastes better. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And now there's like so much pomp and circumstance about it, you know, and you can get so into it that it's intimidating for most people. And a lot of people, you know, don't want to go near it because they're afraid of saying the wrong thing, where it's just like, you know, take the mask off, pay no attention to the bullshit. You know, just start digging your wine and you're going to find the ones you like and find the one you don't like. And what you like one year might be something completely different from what you like, you know, years later. You know? Do you feel you, because you're such a, a senti and your heart is so big, do you feel like you make wine differently when you're in love? <laughs> yes. I think you could say that. Um, I mean, we talk, we've yeah. talked about this notion before yes. of like happy food comes from a happy kitchen, happy eggs come from happy chickens, and you know, and, and of course, happy wine comes from a happy winemaker. But do you feel you make different wine when you're in love? I can tell you when I, during some of the darker years, I was using a lot of Morved. <laughs> 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 Things got very dark and brooding. For anybody who doesn't know what that means, it's like I've always thought that you know, Morved, it's you know, it's a, it's a male. It's, you know, if it's if it's gonna have a gender, but that it was like the emo kid from hell cutting himself in the corner wearing too much eyeliner, and mm-hmm. so it's like everybody's like, if everybody wants to know what Trent Reznor or Robert Smith would be like if they were a grape, they would be more vet. Yeah, tragic as hip, woe is me, no one understands me, but exotic as all hell. And where would life be without the cure? Right. Right. Where would life be without nine inch nails? You know, sure. the world would not be as 
rich a place. <laughs> I was talking to John <laughs> Munch. Bright. He was talking about, right, exactly. He was talking about music, and I know music is super important to you. Uh, is there certain music in the cellar being played, especially now during harvest? And, and if so, is this music for you to get hype, or is it actually for the grapes? What do you, how, do, how deep do you dive into music in the cellar? I think, um, well, music in the cellar is everything. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, I think like, a third line item in the expense of the winery is speakers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. right. We can take them anywhere right now. But it gets loud around here. And that's one of the virtues of being in Tin City areas. I don't have to worry about my neighbors yelling and screaming at me so we can turn it up all night. Yeah. Um, we do a lot of work at night. But yeah, I think that the energy you bring to winemaking is infused with it. You know, and, you know, there's times when you need a little metal. You know, I mean, Alex is kind of a metalhead. She loves Venge Sevenfold, and that's spent a lot of time going through the speakers. Yeah. Um, I have all my roots. You know, I got to tell you, my favorite band of all time is probably Pearl Jam. But anything grunge, all that big, meaty, heavy stuff, huge. Believe in the religion of Tool, like you wouldn't believe. But I also grew up in the 80s and appreciated Pat Metheny. I've been on a Jaco Pastoris um uh, Pat Metheny bender lately yeah. and I am a huge fan of Steely Dan I love when I'm cooking to have Steely Dan on and drink Sauvignon Blanc yeah you know and it's just like being a good cook you want to sit there and I mean Neil Neil Collins used to always want to do this and we used to do it for a while and Terry Colton but it's like we'd invite each other over to each other's cellars and sit and go and taste barrels and it wasn't like oh taste this it was like check this out this is funky man this is what happened to this what would you guys do with that yeah it was more like sharing the trials and tribulations rather than just like you know just fawning over having the penis contest right exactly (laughs) right but uh you know we would get in and talk about wine and you'd get into terroir and everybody would explore other things because of it you know i mean i could say one of the reasons why i'm so into more of that is Neil Collins. Neil and his lust and the Tablos clan pursuing what they've done. I mean, Neil's 100% responsible for me dealing with Tanat. And I don't know whether to love him for that or hate him for that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, um, you know, it's that camaraderie that comes with all of that that, that I really, really enjoy and sharing all of that amongst us you know it was a really really great time you're in this unique time now where you're no doubt a veteran of this game in Paso. you have seen it from its infancy to getting like i mean not out of hand in a bad way but man it is out of hand downtown the the, the, the stays the airbnbs the reservations the i mean Paso is just by all accounts just on fire dude i remember <laughs> i Oh, my God. Just to see the real estate boom in here. I remember you could buy a three-bedroom, two-bath house in Paso for $350,000. Yeah. You know? Now you can't touch anything for under five. Oh, easy. You know? And it's easily up into the sevens. Yeah. You know? But um, but it's it's an exciting thing to see. You know, there's things are different now. And that's the other thing is, is high tides raise all ships. Right. Billy Grant taught me that, you know? Mm-hmm. Where, you know, um, Justin would... Justin and Saxon have done, you know, making number one. You know, we've had a lot of high-scoring wines. Everybody, Matt Travis, and everybody that's had high-scoring wines, you know, has raised and elevated the yeah, image of Paso. You yeah. know, and you know, you've got the old curmudgeon farmers sometimes going, "How do I get more from my grapes?" 
like, let the winemakers rock the hell out of it and get the notoriety for the region. Okay? Yeah. That's how you're going to get it. And that's what's happened. We've got great vineyards now, and the vineyards have gotten vine age. We've got great winemakers because, you know, everybody's kind of grown up a little bit. You know, we're all making wine very different than the way we made it, you know. 15 years ago. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And, but you're maturing, you're exploring, you're getting better at your craft and you're, you're doing so much more that's going to come with evolution. And I think that that's what's happening. If you want to call it anything, Passive is evolving and it's still in a really great place of evolution and it's still accessible and wonderful and nice, but it's going to reach that place in time where it's just, when something's good, everybody wants it and everybody's going to chase it down. Mm-hmm. And it's just, Do you feel you a, kind of like are malleable to Passive's evolution or have you, you know, as Christian teaches evolved personally just as fast as Paso because I mean I've seen you evolve too yeah I mean you know I mean God you know I showed up in Paso you know <laughs> with, with not a lot mm-hmm. and it it's incredible to have been a part of this journey with Paso and been a part of its rise, been a part of you really have. helping it rise and, and all the people around us that collectively we did it together. I mean, Chris Cherry Via Creek, you know, that the restaurant is the heart of this town, you know? Um, yeah, when I moved here in 03, so, that was the, it was the heart and soul yeah, of the so downtown. Many people, there was such a special element to this place. I mean, it made people like Jeff Cohn show up. Yeah. I mean, Jeff Cohn is up, up, you know, big, you know, North Coast winemaker, you know, Sonoma based and out of Oakland and all this and that, but he's made some great wines and stuff. But it's like, when did I really get to know Jeff down here? Mm-hmm. You know, because he was down here consulting, doing stuff like that. Consulting, and, pulling and like Alta Kalina fruit or whatever. <laughs> he loves the region, you know. I mean, I know surfing is, it has always been important to you. How, how has surfing changed you as a winemaker? And I thought you'd be a fun person to ask that because I know you love getting in there as well. Hmm. How has it sculpted you as a winemaker? I'm really curious to go hear your show about what those guys had to say, but I think being a surfer, and Aaron would chuckle right now because Aaron and I are many years apart, so I'm the old dude and he was the young ripper and stuff like that. And I had a lot of you know broken parts, so I had stopped surfing for many years, but I'm back into it now and I'm having fun. Um, I had some good times in Hawaii this year. Um, little, not big. I'm a longboarder now. Yeah. (laughs) Me and Terry Colton. But I think what the influence of being a surfer in life is more an attitude. You know, I grew up surfing in the East Coast in Maine. We used to wear dry suits and animal skins and these really heavy wetsuits. It it was almost like being the kid in Christmas Story where you can't can't even move. But, you know, we'd go surfing when it was 20 degrees outside and in, you know, 50 degree water. And it was crazy. And, but we loved it. And it's just, if you draw an analogy from that very thing, it's just like there's a flavor out there and a unique experience that is hard to get to. And it's kind of extreme. But if you can get to it and go for it, you are going to taste something really special. And that is an attitude that if you take it anywhere in life... That's the shit that Einstein's made out of. It's the ability to push the envelope and come up from any place in the world and be like, hey, look, this is the food that I make from where I'm from and I'm going to make it cool for everybody. Or right. this is an experience I have. Or I have, I'm a software guy and I came up with this idea in my garage. It's that hunger and that lust 
to go big, to have that hunger and that drive to just, no matter what, I don't care. I want to play a guitar. I don't care. I want to make wine. I'm going to do something outrageous. I'm going to make my mark on this world. That's the same thing. It all comes from like, there's a really big wave coming. I'm going to turn and go. And it's way late. And I might, if I make it, it's going to be insane. But I'm probably going to go over the falls and just get hammered. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that desire is what can make you a great winemaker. Yeah. Because your ability to go big and push and try and reach for really big heights is going to be what is going to make that thing stand out and succeed and be unique and special. And so that's that hunger. I love it. Is that I wonder, what they said? Both of them kind of chimed into the aspect of when you have a wave, there's, you're, you're kind of handed this unique situation right in the moment, totally. and you have to deal with it. Totally. You have to deal with it right there. Yeah, exactly. Oh, this has been so much fun, Christian. I love when I get a chance to hang out with you, man. Did I keep you? I'm sure. No, 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 no. This you're in just, Harvest. I'm, I'm I came, afraid that you're going to have to edit it. Such a great conversation. I tried, I tried really hard not to swear. No, it's, look, it's a podcast. There's no FCC. <laughs> the FCC's been ruling my life for 20 years, uh, so it's great to be able to just be real. All right, well, cool. Next time I'll swear more. I can't thank you enough for being so sweet to Georgie. You're a real dog person. No. I think some of my most cutest pictures of being here are going to be like you hanging out and bonding with my dog Georgie. Oh, uh, well. Bomb. Sweet little animal. Let me just get this glass in my hand. I want to cheers you, dude. You've always been so sweet to me. You make such badass wines. And not only that, but you tell your story so good. And I just can't thank you enough for your friendship and for, for your time during Harvest, my man. I love you. My pleasure. It's a pleasure to be here, Adam. Thank you so much for taking the time and being a part of our world. Love you, brother. Give me that mm-hmm sound, we'll get by, we bounce all around till the job is camped out in the trees, it will simplify good company. Thank you so much to Christian TG for the great chat. Missed that dude, and it was so good to see him. So if that's not an afternoon. I don't know what is, man. Don't even have to drive far. Taste Emerson Wines, emersonwines.com, then head over to Anarchy Wines, anarchywines.com and when you hit them up, make sure you let them know you loved hearing them share where wine has taken them. Okay, okay, remember my dad joke earlier of this travel paso spotlight being quote lit. I know, pretty lame. It's it is though. I mean, it's like lit 60,000 times over. I'm talking about Sensorio, Field of Light. You have to check this place out. It is so cool. It's outdoors. It's breathtaking. I can't recommend it enough. First of all, check out my Instagram page or just Google Sensorio and just get lost in the images and then make your reservation. Featured all over the place, LA Times, New York Times had it as number six in their 50 places to visit in 2020. Light at Sensorio features two art installations by internationally acclaimed artist Bruce Monroe. The Field of Light is a 15-acre walkthrough experience comprised of about 60,000 stemmed spheres lit by fiber optics, gently illuminating the landscape in subtle blooms of morphing color. They roll and melt with the hills. It's, it's just unreal. Their latest installation is called Light Towers, and it's after you walk through 
Field of Light. And it really pays homage to Paso Robles' extensive wine country, ever-growing wine country, featuring 69 towers composed of more than 17,000 wine bottles illuminated with glowing optic fibers whose colors kind of morph to an inspiring musical score. It's really something. All solar-powered, these stunning exhibits captivate visitors, inviting them to engage with the landscape, really become one with it, get with the environment, and enjoy this really ethereal, one-of-a-kind experience that's been in, like, Smithsonian Magazine. It's just something you got to see to believe. You have to make a reservation. I would say make a VIP one. It's so worth it. They got food and wine before you go into it. It's just like a self-guided walk. It's unreal, though. SensorioPaso.com. For reservations, that's Sensorio, S-E-N-S-O-R-I-O, Paso.com. If you end up going, I want to see any artsy pics that you take. So tag me at Adam on the air. If you've been to Sensorio or you're going to go, you can also tag Paso Wine. But tag me at Adam on the air because I love photography and I love to see the different ways people capture Sensorio. So again, SensorioPaso.com. And for more on Travel Paso, where you could stay when you visit, TravelPaso.com. There's also a link to them on our website, PasoWine.com. Well, all right. Harvest continues in Paso. I'm planning on the next episode to bring you a little sound from the Crush Pad. Going to visit a couple friends and hopefully take you on a little field trip and uh, get you real close to Harvest in the next episode of Where Wine Takes You. It's going to be fun. Don't want to say where I might be headed because I don't want to jinx it. But I will say they have each been a show here. And each were both very popular episodes. I'll just say that. Make sure you visit PasoWine.com for any and all things Paso before your next trip. And follow Paso Wine on Insta at Paso Wine. Where Wine Takes You is executive produced by Joel Peterson. And Paso Wine associate producer is Jen Bravo. The show is recorded, edited, and produced by yours truly. Original music, Good Company, performed by Moonshiner Collective. Now, they're going to be performing this song, and honestly, the rest of their music is so, so good, too. They're going to be performing here in San Luis Obispo, El Choro, at the Siren, under the Moon Concert Series. It's like big Mexican blankets laid out, all spaced out, and you have your own little kind of pod with four people that you come with. It's on this perfect little hill on a golf course. And you're just watching the band with drinks and the hills are behind you. Like the view of Hollister Peak and the sun setting behind it. It's just one of a kind. You got to check it out. Moonshiner Collective will be performing live October 8th. You can go to moonshinercollective.com. Hit live for all of the info. Well, thank you for being here. I'm your host, Adam Montiel. Next time you are cruising along the Central Coast, you can tune me in on your radio. My morning show, Up and Adam in the Morning, is on Coast 104.5. And for Wine Country Radio, the Cork Dorks and more, you can tune into The Crush 92.5, and you could stream those stations from anywhere. They even got apps, too. They're in your app store as well. Well, thank you for connecting with me, with Paso, with all that is special about this wine country region. Pour some Paso wine. Lift up your glass and cheers to you for sharing, enjoying, and relishing where wine takes you. Cheers. And give me that passion, get bowing, pass on down till the job is camped out in the trees. It will simplify and work on. Give me that moonshine, get bowing, pass on down till the job is camped out in the trees. It will simplify and work on. Give me that moonshine, get bowing, pass on down till the job is in the trees who will simplify in good company with that moonshine we'll get by we pass on round till the job is dry camped out in the trees who will simplify in good company